Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, episode 109, if you guys didn't already know. But this is your boy, East Coast Trev, always joined by their good friend. This is Steve. Just Steve, man, hanging in there. What's happening, man? What's up, brother? Nice. It's good. It's Well, I, I'm going to warn everybody that our guests are already here. It's just the two of us. We haven't done one of these bullshit sessions in quite some time. So we figured with everything in the chaos of deer season and everything going down we figured that why not just uh kick it back talk a little bit kind of give you guys the 411 of some of the things that are going on um in our worlds and the things to come some of our uh season goals and and kind of up and coming things and possible partnerships and we got a lot of really th- big things happening here at the Outdoor Drive podcast and some stuff that we really haven't even talked about yet What do you say Steve? <laughs> Not a lot to say. I mean, no. Really, there's a lot to say, but there is. You know me. Yeah. I, I, just, I mean, just kick back and take it easy one day at a time. Let's see how this goes. Well, why don't you? Uh, why don't you kick it off? Why don't you recap a little bit of what your deer season's kind of been? What you've kind of gone through and the things that you got coming up? Oh, deer season in Virginia. What can I say? You've experienced opening weekend a couple of times. You you get the pain. I'm glad that I'm not there. <laughs> not mad about it. <laughs> so, uh, dove in and continuing last year's ritual, uh, no cameras, no nothing, just going out pure woodsmanship, just trying to find the sign, trying to find everything I can to go out and do this the old fashioned way. So picked a few spots, uh, some stuff we saw during Turkey season moved in and first night out, you know, I, every trip out has been a win. The first night out at three 30, I had set up, was in the tree, wind shifted. And there was a buck bedded about 70 yards away on the backside of a bank. I couldn't see. So I did something right. You know, wasn't quite uh hunting beast worthy. We'll say, you know, I got busted, you know, and hunting beast guys don't get busted. So just got to put that out. No, well, apparently not, because you never hear about it. They just they get in true? there, they get on the bed, they kill the deer 10 minutes after it stands up. I didn't have that fact. You know, wind swirled, deer busted me, deer ran. End of story. So hung out, and I figured, well, if the deer in the area, something's bound to come through. And just at last light, just over my left shoulder, about 60 yards on the ridge, ended up having a real nice basket rack just kind of moseying up and down behind me. 
couldn't get a shot, never came in close enough, never really did anything, was out of camera light, if that gives you an idea how late it really was. Watched him walk, let him get out of the way, waited till good after dark, and climbed down and head back to the truck. So based on their movement, I was able to go in a couple of nights ago and in podcast land, this is uh, around like October 9th, and moved in, the wind was a little different, so I approached differently, got below them and set up where I thought they were headed based on that movement, and found some good sign, good trails, down here as of today, which is October 12th, you know, we really don't have scrapes and rubs, at least up here in the mountain, haven't found one yet. And I know I'm in the right area because I've seen bucks. And I set up the second night based on just tracking acorns and oak flats that have been torn up. And uh, about 5.30 ahead, in fact, we were sitting there messaging back and forth. You told me about your situation. And, well, yeah, man, all I'm seeing is squirrels. I could win the squirrel competition right now with a suppressed 22. So just really set back and... Put the phone down, looked up, had two does come in, and literally the only spot on my offhand side, I intentionally set it up because it's the worst area, so I put it offhand, and that's where they came in. 30 yards, two does, piled up right under me, sat there for 10 minutes and walked off, never got a shot. Couldn't even get them on camera, it was so thick. So that's uh, about the gist of it. Never had anything come out, come out the rest of that night. And just kind of putting pieces together. Saw where the bucks were, saw where the does were moving. And I'll just keep building on that knowledge. And basically the same thing we do in Ohio, only long-term during the October lull, as they call it. Isn't that kind of crazy is that when we're at home, it takes us three times longer to try and connect with a deer. I've realized this and, and thought about this a lot when I was <laughs> when I was in the stand. I'm like, dude, if I was in another state and I was hunting this hard, I would have already killed something. I feel like like I feel like I put in so much more time and like overthink everything and overanalyze everything that goes on day by day when I'm home uh, hunting. Well, we other tend, than being we tend road. to have. Well, I'm not going to call it a safety net, but knowing that, oh, we have time. You know, right. you, you tend to want to play it a little safer. You know, like right now, I'm only hunting afternoons. I'm not hitting mornings because getting into where I'm going is pretty much impossible in the morning in the dark. So I think that's really a big part of it is you're home, you're comfortable, and you move when you want to move, when you think it's right. But when you're out of state, man, you don't have a choice. You've got X amount of days to get it done. Wind's blowing you this way, in. you better shift. You better go over here. You find a place that works with the wind and move. So that's kind of that's I, I totally agree with you, man. Like my season has kind of been a roller coaster ride. Dude, here anyway. I almost like, think you're having a worse season than a typical Virginia dude, year. <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts. Like I, I don't know, like so I'll kick it back a little bit to like September. So September, we opened September fifteenth. Um had good you know, movement kind of on the cameras. And then it felt like every time that I was going to go and sit in a stand, rain, 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 oh, rain. That's like it was the like the wettest September season ever. for this year. Yeah. Oh man. It was so tough. And you know, I'm like, yeah, I want to go out, but I don't want to go out. Cause I don't want to be in the rain. Like I, I just be in a little Sally. Cause I was like, screw it. You know, camera gear, this, that, and the other thing I'm like, screw it. And then there was a lot of flooding. So fast forward to like October, 
um, seeing a lot of buck activity. Um, had a couple of bucks daylight, which was kind of cool, you know, and then tried moving in on them and then didn't see them. Um, acorn crop is through the roof right oh, now. The crop of acorns is just like so I, dumb. I've if never the seen right the place, acorns like it is this year. It's stupid. It's crazy. And if you're not in those spots, like I have a couple of farms that I was like dead set that things were going to happen being on cornfields and stuff and like always great in the past. Them deer aren't even coming out into no, that. They They're just staying to. on the it's it's so stupid. So having a ton of, you know, buck movement on these scrapes, I've started to, to decide to set all of my cameras up on scrapes and getting a ton like you know, like the beginning of October, end of September, beginning of October was a ton of does, ton of does, ton of does, and then finally bucks started to show up on scrapes. And two times they daylighted. I'd move in on them on the right wind, and then I wouldn't see nothing. Then, you know, now I'm getting some that are at night again, and they're getting more towards day. Um, it's just, it's been a frustrating thing, man. Like, opening day of what I found out was waterfowl season, because I totally forgot, <laughs> um, yeah, I which saw was your Saturday, post. October, I want to say it was, what was that, the first, I think? Um no, I'm sorry. It was the 9th. So October 9th, I went in, I sat on the backside of a swamp, and I should have known better. I didn't even think about it. And I had a lot of buck movement um, on a scrape back there. And so I went in there. Wind was perfect. First light starts to come up. It's like 6 o'clock. I got a half an hour until first light. I've been in there for an hour and some change. I'm sitting there, and all I, I see headlights or lights coming down this, this tote road trail type thing. Mind you, I'm like a mile and some change in the woods, and I see the light, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, is that another hunter? So I grab my flashlight. I start flashing at him. I hear clink, 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 a plastic decoy. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and they get closer and closer. So they end up setting up like 200, 200 yards away from me, 150, 200 yards away from me. And it was just absolute misery. Didn't see a darn thing. Got down around nine. Uh, went up to the scrape. Checked the camera because that place has bad cell service. So I just want to make sure everything was good. So I kind of moved myself a little bit further. There was a whole entire scrape line, like completely textbook. Looked absolutely perfect. So fast forward to yesterday, which would be uh, the 12th in real land. Um, I go in there and I'm set up. And once again, it's in like uh, 45 minutes or an hour before last light. And I hear like, I'm like coming from my downwind side. And then I hear the guy say, if you make me fall, me and you are going to have words. And I'm like, what the <laughs> frick is going on behind me? Like trees are breaking and stuff. Well, it was a husband, a wife, and their two dogs. And gotcha. they ended up 20-something yards behind me. And they go, are they just like, I hear them. I pull out my camera and I start videotaping. And they just stop. And they're like, sorry. <laughs> I was, and I just like. I, See, that that's proof, though. The second you put the camera on them, things act different. <laughs> it's like, dude, what in the world, man? Like, can I get a break, bro? Like, straight get a break? Nope. Can't. You know, it's just it's just been an absolute nightmare to try and do anything. Like. Anything that could go wrong goes wrong, right? I feel like that's my season, and then something great happens. So we'll see what happens. But 
I got another week here. Of course, this week's going to be semi-warm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's... like 65, 70, 50 at night. Like, the weather has not know. cooperated at all this season. No, it's been absolutely horrible. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of funny is that there is a cold front coming right right as when we're going to leave for Ohio, and Ohio seemed to look like the weather was going to be a little bit better there. So it's not going to be what it was last year, cold as hell, but it's going to be like it looks like it's we'll, going to we'll be see like a drop. high 30s, low 40s, and then like 50, 60 during the day, which I'm all about it. I think that's that's great hunting weather to me. Not early October. Weather, for sure. Yeah, man. Well, so I'm, I, I will say, not to cut you off, but uh, mm-hmm. you knew he's had a, a good kickoff to the season. Who's that? Our good buddy Mike Salter. Yes, he did, man. Congrats on your first archery buck. Yeah, not, his, not his first, if I remember. It, I think it was his best. Was it? I think that's how he said it was his best archery buck to date. Okay. And, and the first thing out of his mouth, and I... Mike, I want to kick you in the balls for saying it, but you went, sorry, he's not that big. And man, I'm telling you, that's your biggest archery buck this early in the season. And we're freaking proud of you, man. I I hope that walks by me because I'm going to ace it too, because you don't get better unless you do it. So I don't, why, why, I, there's no need to get upset. Like, why, why are you having to thank us? Like, why? Or say sorry to us. Like, there's no need for that at all, man. No, I'm just... That I, was a trophy. Yeah, it was a beautiful buck. Really cool little character on him. And ultimately, man, it's your biggest buck with a bow. That's all that matters. So we're proud Absolutely. of you. We want you to know that, buddy. So We are super proud of you. Should we get to the news for your cruise real quick before we get off on too much of a tangent? I uh, definitely think that's something we ought to look at. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey, everyone. I'd like to start off by thanking Wyatt Mack for sending in this first one. Uh, We're going to start off in North Dakota, where the Game and Fish Department is allowing hunters with whitetail or any deer gun licenses in several units in western North Dakota the option to turn their licenses in for refunds. The decision is due to continued reports of whitetail mortality due to EHD and evidence of moderate to significant deer losses in some areas that might affect hunting success. Hunters with antlered or antlerless tags are eligible for the refund and those who return licenses will have any applicable bonus points restored. This is actually the second year in a row that the department is offering refunds due to EHD mortality. Hunters are being urged to make local contacts to find out the extent of mortality in their hunting unit before deciding to turn in their licenses. Uh, License holders who want a refund do need to mail their tag along with a note requesting a refund due to EHD to the Game and Fish Department uh, Bismarck office and must be postmarked by November 4th. Now to some national news. Uh, During the recent Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies meeting, a multi-state conservation grant proposal to provide funding for the Boone and Crockett Club's uh, Poach and Pay project was recommended for approval. Poach and Pay is the first comprehensive research project to review, assess, and address the level of illegal take of wildlife in the country. Uh, the grant will support the research that is underway 
and the project is expected to take three years, concluding in the fall or winter of 2024. Uh, there are four primary goals of the project, which are assessing the levels of detection and conservation impacts associated with wildlife crime, describing the motivational factors and potential deterrents that influence poachers, determining the judicial and prosecutorial barriers to enforcing wildlife laws, and providing solutions to improving prosecution and conviction rates of poachers, including an, an objective, defensible, and proportional framework for uh, poaching penalties and restitutions. Uh, the first phase is to quantify the degree to which wildlife violators go undetected by interviewing and surveying hunters, landowners, conservation officers, and uh, persons convicted of wildlife crimes. In October, surveys were distributed to 80,000 landowners, 80,000 avid sportsmen, which had to have, have purchased hunting licenses in each of the last five years, and to more than 1,000 conservation officers in eight target states. Uh, those states are Maine, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Missouri, Ohio, Michigan, Oregon, and Nevada. Uh, this type of study is long overdue, and the Wildlife Management Institute and Boone and Crock Club will use its findings to bring attention to poaching and uh, its time cost to agencies, hunters, and wildlife enthusiasts, and the public. So if you're in one of those eight states and get a survey, please fill it out. I uh, greatly uh, be appreciated to help this research. Now on to Missouri, uh, where I've previously reported on the inaugural elk hunt, and we have our first archery elk harvest in Missouri's modern elk hunting history. Chris Eric uh, harvested a 6x6 bull in Shannon County on the evening of October 18th and found the bull on the morning of the 19th. Ironically, a bear hunter found the bull before Chris did and reported the bull to the local conservation agent. When the conservation agent, Logan Brawley, responded, he could hear Chris yelling as he drove up but couldn't see him. Uh, this was because Chris was actually 16 feet in a tree over the elk trying to get cell service to call and check in the bull. So congratulations to Chris on a great bull and a great story to go along with it. Uh, hopefully there's more to come on a continued season in Missouri. Now for some news uh, out of my hometown in Simsbury, Connecticut, where Simsbury resident Tom Barrett has opened an archery academy, uh, Blackthorn Archers. Blackthorn is offering archery lessons and events around the Farmington Valley uh, through his portable range, which he says is great for business team building events, parties, weddings, and other social gatherings. Um, Blackthorn Archers is also offering academy classes at North Star Sports Complex in Canton. The classes follow a curriculum for archers age five and up and US, um, USA archery techniques and all equipment and gear are provided at the academy. Uh, it's great to see something like this locally and I can't wait to take um, my son to check it out. So lastly, we head to Florida and another record catch. Angler Philippe Prieto uh, caught a 9.11 pound butterfly peacock bass fishing a Brown County pond on October 8th. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission regulations require that a fish between five and 10 pounds top an existing record by at least a uh, half ounce or 0.03 pounds. With the 1993 record standing at 9.08 pounds, Prieto's fish uh, just made the mark to take over the top spot. So congratulations to Philippe on a great fish. Uh, as always, if you have any news, please send it along be greatly appreciated. Uh, reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or bearded underscore bowhunter 21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride.
Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Congrats on your buck. We're super excited for you, and we're really happy. And uh, hopefully your season gets a little bit better. Yeah, he's, he's the first on the crew to get things done. So, Marduk, Trev, me, where you at? I know. we got to step up our game, dude. What are we waiting for? Well, well speaking of Marduk, most people don't know. Uh, we're, we're bringing another guy kind of into the fold, and he's going to do a little work to help us out. And he's been a big help in the background from the get-go. Uh, he is but, actually the the mind behind Tells for the Tailgate. It was something that he theorized and we brought to life. So since then, we've done a little more. Trev, why don't you kind of go ahead and glass him over? I, I know he likes being, you know, put on the pedestal, you know, have this, have him rubbed <laughs> a little bit. No, I mean, Steve, Steve has been there from, from the get-go for, you know, for the outdoor drive, honestly, and, and kind of you know, stayed in the background and somebody that we kind of, you know, I call him the manager, right? Because constantly he's always reaching out and always saying like, Hey man, you probably should have this person on, or I have this friend. You should probably, you know, have him talk to him. I got this idea. I got that idea. I got this going on, that going on. So he was kind of the one that originated with the tales for the tailgate. And it was kind of like, Hey man, you should have a little mini series of you know, like six podcasts, eight podcasts during the rut where guys can really hear what's going on. And then we kind of kind of brainstormed, obviously, and you guys have heard all this and uh, kind of turned it into what it is today and kind of really brought it to fruition. And, and it's going to carry on throughout throughout the whole entire year, 365. So, you know, a big thank you to him. And and Marduk's one of those guys, man. He's a picky dude. Very He analyzes a lot of things and kind of overthinks it a lot i guess you could say and just kind of goes in and does it when everything's correctly and he he does what he needs to do man he kills what he needs to kill when he when he needs to kill it so well i i tell you one thing is his rendition of news for the cruise i i almost wish we had the patreon and everything set up just to put that in as bonus content (laughs) that was the funniest crap i have ever heard we can't put it on here but new uh, it's one of those things that I don't know. Maybe a few lucky listeners will be able to experience his version someday. Absolutely, I think that would be that would be a great thing, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> let them all hear it. But uh, going back on Steve, man, Steve being a great friend that he is and stuff. So he decided that he wanted to go ahead and start blogging um, and writing blogs for the Outdoor Drive. So here in the future. He is actually going to do do that for us. So you guys can look forward to that, man. Get on his butt and really get these things rolling so that, you know, get on his ass so he can start writing these blogs. So that's one thing to come kind of down down the road for us is, you know, we'll have a blog series on, on our webpage. Um, you know, Mike does the news. Uh, Steve will do the blogs. And we're going to kind of move on from there. Well, you want to know something funny you know who's calling in right now? No, he's not. Yeah, well, he was. Let me see if I can dial him back in. All right, call him up. We'll just go ahead and call him back here in just a little bit. Uh, we don't want to get too many details out into what we got going on. But Bones, we're thinking of you, and we'll be on the, the mic with you here soon. Absolutely. Hopefully he's not... Uh... I don't know what the hell he's got going on, but well, you never know about that this old time, man, you know? He's probably locking up a trailer or something, getting his load ready. <laughs> so, getting his load ready. <laughs> yeah, you know how he so, rolls. Yeah, for sure, man. 
But no, I look forward to. I'm Ohio is kind of one of those things that I haven't. It's it's the only thing I think about honestly all the time. I just I just want to be there hunting, dude. I don't understand why, but I just I love going there. Well, last year kind of. I'm not going to say it spoiled us, but I'm going to say it kind of ruined us. Like after last year and everything we experienced and the amount of deer, the quality deer, um, made me just kind of think of my home state as a meat factory. I'm going to fill the freezer here, but I'm going to try to do the big work there. It's, it's, you know, and especially, you know, we have that good friend over there, Cody Evans, who's constantly sending trail cam pictures and kind of keeping us informed what's kind of going on, you know, after meeting him last year, um, and then getting to talk to him and talk to him throughout the whole entire season and after we had left and then, you know, throughout the whole entire summer and then to still chit chat with him and him kind of doing a little bit of research and putting up trail cameras and then taking regular pictures and scouting and this, that, and the other thing and kind of keeping us informed what the, what kind of, kind of what deer are around in the area has really kind of set, set the bar high in the level, you know, and, and really, yeah, really kind of got our wheels turning. There's really so much we didn't know about the area that he's shed light on. So I, I'll tell you one thing, Cody, if you're listening, when we get there, we're going to have you in camp. Come hang out. Come have drinks. Come have some food. We'll go to dinner, whatever. I mean, you let us know. Man, just just for everything you've done to help out, we appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all that work that we, you know, he did a lot of research for us and kind of, you know, put us – put put that into perspective for us you know what i'm saying kind of like what deer are kind of in the area what we have to look forward to i mean we still have to do a lot of work when we get there obviously but to know that these caliber deer are in this area or or what's the actually going spikes on you ever saw you've never seen yeah, spikes I mean, and fork horns like this <laughs> you you ain't never seen spikes or fork horns like this but it's it's kind of cool to have a friend that's kind of in the inside and they're kind of doing its thing. And then it all it all transpired because we shot one of his target deer. And, like, that was kind of one of those things that, like, in all reality, like, you never see that. So, like, to pay it forward like that, man, and, I mean, I owe him a lot, bro. Like, for everything that he's done and his friendship that we've made over the time that we've made, you know? For sure. And we're going to pay it it's, forward. We're going to take care of him. one of those things. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I've already sent him a hat and stuff anyways. Not that that's very the greatest thing in the world, but it is what it is, right? For sure. So, man, what do you, what kind of what are you using? Like, what's your setup? What are you thinking of using while you're there? You know, what's kind of some of your tactics of going into into this big hunt of ours that we we normally do? Really, I'm going to go in with the same, almost the same situation and setup as I did last year. Same camera setup, same arm. Uh, Mixing it up a little bit. Uh, a lot of you guys don't know, but we've recently begun a partnership with Novix Tree Stands. And with our style of mobile hunting, they're going to do some stuff, and we've got, we're getting some product from them to really try to boost our ability to get around. You know, and we say tree stands, we talk about saddle hunting a lot. Everyone's going to think, oh, you know, you guys are selling out or whatever. No, it's not the case. We hunt, period. We support tree stands. We support hang-ons. We support ladder stand hunting. We support saddles. Any method to hunt, man, if you're out there, we support it. So 
we're going to take and merge two worlds. They do a lot for the mobile game. And we're going to take their products and go out and test it with what we've been using for years. So I, I expect think it to my... step up personally. I mean, running it as a hybrid series kind of was kind of like my, my input on it. And honestly, I've gotten with Matt uh, Chola from uh, Vital Gra- Vital Crowns Outdoors um, and kind of messing around with some of the stuff because he had made for me um, some daisy chains and um, uh, what else do you make us? Aiders for the shikar sticks and stuff like that. So I was talking to him today to kind of like already change it things up to make it like more like what I've been doing, like with the shikars and stuff, like having the daisy chains. So he's actually going to make um, his version of um, it's called P. I think it's a PSH. I believe is what I'm bad with this stuff, bro. Honestly, <laughs> I don't really, I just, he goes, I go, I say to him, I say, Hey, um, can you make X, Y, and Z for me? Uh, I need, I have this stick, this, um, this stand or this, this platform. Can you, can you make this for me? And he'd be like, yeah, um, I think you should try, um, you should try this daisy chain or you should make this, this, or this, yeah, it's PSH. Um, and what it is, is it's like, uh, it's kind of like a Chinese finger, right? So it has like a, a loop on it and then it goes around the tree and then it has a Chinese finger and then it goes around. And it's like it's made out of amp steel, so it makes things kind of light. So I've already like started to modify all my stuff before it's even here, honestly. Nice. Nice. You know, to kind of just just do something a little bit different, man. Because you you I don't know the cam buckle thing for me is kind of I don't know. I have a tough time with them, you know, because there's just more things to clank around. So oh yeah, I don't. Know. I, I tell you one thing: with every buckle I have like that, probably has. 10 layers of electrical tape on it to try and make it quieter. God, it's so annoying. Doesn't matter what you do. There is no way to do that silently. Unless you're going to take two hours to get into the tree. Exactly. That's one of my things. Like, that's why I like the whole Amsteel kind of the whole Amsteel setup. And that's what I've been using. So I kind of want to bring it over to using it on, on this, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely look forward to it, and I think it's going to be fun to get into the tree, do a little bit of film work with it, uh, really have that first interaction with it is going to be real world in the stand chasing deer. No, we're in the yard, we get a test. It's We're going real world day one, and we'll be able to see how it stacks up against the stuff that we've proven in the past. So, And, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm all about it for the simple fact of having the versatility to be able to hunt out of a stand if we want to hunt out of a stand like we do a ton of all day sits and and having you know we have all the tools that we need to go into it you know having our latitude saddles having uh uh, the method two and the classic two and then having a stand with us like we have everything that there is for the mobile hunting game and really taking it to the next level and, and being able to use it constantly um and be lightweight and, you know, and film with it, you know, like, dude, honestly, we, we don't have a clue. I don't know if we'll even be able to hunt with the, um, with the, the Novix tree stand or sticks before we even leave. Exactly. That's why I said, this is, it's real world. 
Like we're going to go out and be like, okay, here's the stuff, put it in a tree and go try to kill a deer on the spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really like a blind test. Here you go. Have fun. Let me know what you think. And, and, and what I've heard and what I've gotten off of other people as well as through their product and some of the other people they work with is it's second to none. It, it's good stuff. It is proven stuff. It's based on things that have been out since the 90s. You know, it's very well built. But that idea, you know, I love sitting in a stand all day. I love sitting in a saddle all day. But to be able to sit in a saddle and when I pinch, be able to sit down kind of intrigues me. Absolutely. And the thing is, so we're getting the Hilo hang-on stands. And with them, um, it's not – it's got the versatility to do both, to do the hybrid situation like we're talking about because I still want to saddle hunt. I, I really, truly, honestly enjoy saddle hunting. And then to be able to sit down and hunt out of a stand – I mean, the, the platform is 26 and a half by 16, and then it's only the bare stand is 9.2 pounds. So it's really not that much to be carrying around. And then to be on top of it, the mini sticks um, aren't, aren't all that heavy neither, man. Like they are, you know, they're pounding a pound and a pound, 1.4 pounds, and then the whole entire four pieces of them is only 5.8 pounds. Right. which isn't that much heavier than some of the other sticks that we've used in the past. Yeah, you take that and the platform together, it's about the same weight. I was weighing them out earlier. And Were uh, you really? I, I did. I was I was curious because I've So you know, what was what was the weight to I, the, I don't remember the, off the top of my head. Okay. I'll have to actually note that and we'll post it. I think that's something we could post while we're out there and do a comparison yeah. and be like, hey, do the comparison. here's this and here's this. We might even do a YouTube page about it. I mean, a YouTube post about it, what the difference is in having the two of those things. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I like about it is you can take the sticks and they actually attach to the stand as you carry them. So they're not flip-flopping around and bouncing as if you're carrying a platform and sticks or a platform and steps or a platform and anything else. It, it's mm -hmm. a one solid piece construction and you just strap it to your bag. You strap your bag to it and you let it rip. I mean, it, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, I'm, I'll try anything. I'm stupid enough trying to, to think, try anything twice. I was thinking about that, honestly, because like, do you, do you put it on like, so my backpacks, I use an Alps outdoors backpack. Um, one of the gunslinger ones yep. and with that, you can strap things to the outside. So I use that. What I normally would do is I would use the shikar sticks. They break down and I would put them side by side and I lay them on the thing. And then where the gun would be strapped in, I put, I put my sticks and then I put my platform on top of it and I use the straps to go around that. So my thing was, if I was to have the Novix tree stand, do I use the Novix tree stand as a backpack with the, the sticks attached to it and then attach my backpack to the tree stand or do I attach the tree stand to my backpack? So to kind of play around with that and kind of learn yeah. and see what's going to be like to have to be. And, you know, I constantly put myself through this because in past seasons I've gone through and built my climb as the season goes on. Yep. And then you finally, by the end of the season, you get that climb built down, you have it in your head, you know what you need to be doing, and then you take and, 
you finally get it all together, and then you screw it up by starting all over the next season. <laughs> and I'm like, in the same boat, dude. You wonder why I have like so many Trez bloopers because honestly, I because I'm constantly doing new things every single time that I go into the woods. I add a new piece to my to my weapon my, to my weapons, you know, and it just constantly screwing things up, right? And just trying to. Especially in the dark, man. Like you break, you build up in the in the morning when it's dark out, and then break down at night. Like, ugh. And then you get back to wherever your base camp is, and you have to pull all your crap out and repack it for the next morning so it works when you go back up. Yep. Exactly. I I'm in the same boat right now, man. Every time I climb, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot I did this last year, and this helped. And if I put this here, you know, when I load my bag, you know, when you think about it, you know. Camera in the bottom with some support around it so it don't get crushed. And then camera arm above that. And then mounting bracket above that. So that way as you get into the tree stand, you know, I put my hanger on the tree, hang the backpack. First thing out is the next piece I put to the tree. The next piece out fits that. The next piece out, the camera, the bow, your quiver, you know, and it's a method. And then if you don't remember to pack that backwards as you get out, you get to the base of the tree, everything's all clunky, everything's out of position. You get home, you got to repack it. My first time out this year, I was like, wow, I was way off. So I, I've been in the process. I think I've rearranged my bag and my gear three times now. And I'm, really? I'm, I'm almost back to the point where it's okay. I walk up to a tree and start climbing. And when I get down, I climb and I can put it in the truck and don't have to touch it till I climb again. So See, that's kind of like where I'm at. Like my, I'm very OCD when it comes to that. Like my, everything on my backpack or in my backpack has a certain spot and it goes in the same exact spot so that in the, when in the dark, I can literally climb the tree in the same exact order. Right? right. So like, I know like what goes where, when it goes where, how to get myself up and down the tree and I could do it with my eyes closed. And then you throw something new into it and you're like, Oh damn. How does now this fit? I, like, where do the I do this? The puzzle is rearranged. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know, I mean, I could walk you through it real quick. So, like, when I get to the tree stand, the first thing I do is I undo the platform off of my thing, and it only leaves one side on. Then I take my sticks off. I put the first stick on, and I attach all three sticks to my saddle. As I go up, I build the sticks, and I put them onto the tree, right? And now the the platform is on the back of my backpack. So I get to where I'm going at the top of my fourth stick and then I put my platform on and then I go in the side pouch and I pull out my, my gear hanger that goes on first, hang up my, my backpack. I grab out my camera arm strap. I put the camera arm strap on, put my camera arm, put my camera on, put my bow hanger up, pull up my bow, hang my bow. Now I'm hunting. Right. It's pretty simple, pretty easy. You know, Until I mean, you I do my it, GoPro, my own eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I like this season. I added Ozonics to my to my climb, so it was another yeah, thing to have my back. New piece, new bulk, new weight. When do you it's, put it up in the you, process? You know, do you wait till you're hung and ready to hunt and then hang it, or do you hang it before you get ready to hunt? You know, well, technically, it's supposed to be running from the minute that you get out of your truck, right? And that's so now what I'm it's on your bag. It's like it, it's a whole ugh. new piece of the puzzle. So that, that jigsaw that you had that fit together so nicely and you throw a piece in, it no longer fits. You have to completely reshape everything and retailer the entire process so that it's smooth and seamless again. And that, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but with me, 
you know, that's going to take two or three or four climbs before it's like, oh, that was smooth. That's how I need to be. So can you imagine being in Ohio with a bunch of equipment that we've never used and having to build it and then try and move in on big deer? Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's my thing. Like having to do that, like, so, and going in there with, we, ha- we all have different strategies of kind of like what we want to do, where we want to go, how we want to hunt. Right. I mean, me and you, we hunt very similar, but the thing is like, we then go back to base camp and we talk about what we have going on to kind of move ourselves in uh, on, on an area and then hunt a deer. Right. So, and then to add all this stuff on top of it, like, damn, this is going to be good. You know, it's fun. It makes, it makes it on edge. So like, if you don't set something up and you don't get a shot at something, it is what it is. Right. Like we just like, eh, well, you learn from it. You know, every, every bad climb you get in or every situation you get in where, saw the deer couldn't get drawn, didn't have a shot, you know, whatever you learn from it. You go, Oh, if I was 25 yards that way, could have worked. You know, and you, mm-hmm. every climb, every sit, when you're hunting like that, it, if you don't retain that and learn from that and implement it into the next climb, you're not, you're not doing any good for yourself. No. And that's one thing that I think we really learned last year. And I think that's something that's really part of why we're so sucked back in and going and trying to replicate it this year. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we did something different. We learned a ton about hunting in a different kind of area than what we normally do. Right. And we were able to bring that home and replicate it here. So now how how much more can we go back there and continue to build on it? And I think that's, that's almost as much a draw to me as being able to go out there and hunt these world-class spikes so trophy spikes (laughs) trophy spikes i love trophy spikes one of my favorite (laughs) things in the world i love trophy spikes eight inch trophy spikes yeah i i think that's really a big part of the draw to me is just getting out there and being able to do this over and over and over for 10 12 15 days i and for me honestly is that you know especially in a place like for us coming from you know, our background of, of area where we hunt is it's a tough area, right? So like when we do something, we don't know if we're doing it right or wrong because we don't, we're not around that many deer. Right. Honestly. So then when you go to a place that has a ton of deer, whether it's box does, whatever, you can kind of see if those successes really work properly. Like if you screw it up the next day you go somewhere else and then you're in deer again and you try not to make that same exact mistake or, you know, you go in there and you try something and you're like, oh, wow, that worked. It, as simple as, you know, using a Nor'easter game called grunt tube and kind of like, I know here, like I don't grunt that much nope. because well, I don't want to screw up that one opportunity that potentially could have could have had and then or or even rattling or bleeding or, you know, setting up a stand in a certain direction or, you know, I learned a lot of things when it comes to like the winds. I mean, winds was a tough thing for me. Directions of winds, knowing where the deer are going to come from because of different, you know, different topographical features. Um, And, you know, for me there, like the quartering winds, hunting those quartering winds was a huge thing for me. Like I learned what bucks do on certain winds and how they move around. You know, as simple as on this wind, this deer is going to come on this side of um, of the bedding, 
and then work the downwind side so that the wind's coming in their faces. They go through the, so I got to be on the downwind side of the trail that's on the downwind side of the bedding ground right. so that those bucks come in checking it out. And, and like, for me, like, I'm one of those people that I have to physically see it or physically do it to learn to how to do it. it. Because yep. If somebody was to explain it to me, I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah. And I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yep, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But unless I physically see it, I don't actually understand how to do it. Like, well, I can listen to a million and one podcasts, watch well, 3,000 YouTube pages. That's a, a, very, a valid point because, you know, you listen to Austin Chandler try to explain that quartering wind. How many mm-hmm. times has he walked through that and you listen to it and you're like, that, that makes sense. I get it. But when you get on the ground... And trying to put that into perspective and make it really fit your situation, you know, until you go, okay, I think this is right. And you get in and you see it work and you see what those big deer do and why it works. And then it's that aha moment. It's like, oh, now I see me, deer, bed. You need to set up. So he's checking that bed between you and the bed. You know, and he's got that quartering wind that's just almost wrong. So it's almost blowing to his nose, but it's just off of him. And those deer skirt right by you. And that's how you get it done. And until, like you said, until you see it, man, it it sounds stupid. It sounds crazy. But when you see it, you're like, now I get it. Even, even as simple as like hunting a buck bed, you know, like, and they come to the downwind side and, you know, it could be. 20 30 yards off their bed and they come to down one side and they they scent check the bed that they're going to go into yep and it, i physically if i didn't physically see that with my own eyes i never like everybody talks about it but like to actually physically see it and watch it happen is one of the craziest things in the world it's as simple as also when they when they check when they come to the down one side and they check a scrape like they don't even come to a scrape Yep. They won't physically come to a scrape. They will wind check the scrape as they go by to see if there was a doe that had gone into heat or had been by that scrape that was coming into heat. Right. And like, it's crazy stuff. Like, you know, it's all these things like I've been hunting for a, quite some time now. I mean, like 15 years and I've never seen some of that stuff because the areas that I hunt aren't big buck areas yeah. well, and where even there's that, that much pressure. You don't have that quantity of deer that we get in that situation. So, you know, the one time you do see a buck, all you're concerned about is I need to get, you know, sights on target. Whereas out there, it's like, that's not what we're looking for. Let's, let's just watch. And when you see 10 deer, you would gladly shoot, not present a shot, but be able to just sit and watch them. See what big bucks do. You learn so much. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing for me. Oops, sorry. No, you're good. I, I was going down the same road. Uh, that was one of the big things for me, honestly, where I, when I was able to hunt in the preserve inside the fence. Yeah. That was a huge thing for me. Like when I got to do that two years ago, that was for me was that clicking point in my head where like it made everything made sense. Where everything was like, wow, on this wind, you know, hunting with those guys up at Bowen Bridal, Steve. Steve Impey was like, he would go on a map and he would say, all right, you need to hunt this stand today because of this wind. And me on a map, it was another thing that I've never, I've understood it, but not really to that level with somebody to actually show you how to do it. 
So we're in a controlled environment to be able to do such a thing. You know what I'm saying? So like you go in there and you understand what big bucks do in big buck times, you know, and got to hunt in there, watching deers go down rub lines, scrape lines, reaction to calls. Like, dude, you never get to see none of that here. You won't want to F it up. So you literally won't do those things. You just hunt hard and hunt quiet and just get in those areas and wait for the deer to come to you when you're in those situations. And that was kind of like one of my big things of of wanting to hunt inside of a preserve was to learn some of those things, man. Like I knew I wasn't going to shoot a deer. Like potentially I could have shown a cold deer, right. If a cold deer came in, but to watch and see what those duck, what those big bucks do in big buck times, it's, it just explains so much more of, of why we do what we do. And, we just don't have the in the mountains that we hunt we don't have those types of situations we have one buck that we're going into hunt and he has to make the wrong move with the right wind on the right area period if it doesn't happen then you're not it's not like if you screw it up you're going to be able to move back in on that deer no you have to make it happen when it needs to happen right and and not to get anyone confused if i was down in the southern parts of the state where we have the ag we have the flat flatter grounds the rolling hills some of the swamps and marshes yeah i could go down there and hunt very similarly to how we hunt in the midwest but the deer up here in the blue ridge i mean you're on 30 40 degree slopes mm-hmm. i mean it, it's thick like if i have a spot i can get a 30 yard shot that's rare you know if you have sign in there that's where you're sitting up because that's your best chance of getting a shot and and for me, I'm hunting transition changes, right? Where them deer are coming through um, certain areas, like you know, like I hunt a lot of funnel areas, where I know that those deer are gonna come through there. Like yep. I'm not hunting a food, I'm hunting in between bed and food, right? Like the normal everybody says that, but like when you put it into perspective with topographical features, when there's a mountain on one side and a hill on the other side, you know that they're gonna go in between, right? Like it's it's not a no brainer. But those deer, it might take them three days to come through that transition area. They're <laughs> not coming through there every day. And it People may take you three hours that. to get into it. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, like, you know, obviously those are like one-offs, right? Because it's like I don't always hunt those types of areas. But I have one place that we call the mountain, and those deer just do whatever they want to do. Like there's no yeah, reason, no rhyme, rhyme or reason, reason for they them to go somewhere. It. Like they just like go there. Like yep. and if you can get them to pattern there, then it's good, right? Like I I don't know. It gets so frustrating. And then when you, when you go and you hunt the Midwest, like you're like, wow, I can use strategy. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost, and you use strategy here, man. You hunt the winds, you hunt those topographical features, those, you know, those pinch points, you know, where they're going to bed. Like it's, it's, it's written in the stone, just like it is in the Midwest, but you just have, I think there's some more pieces of the puzzle we have to deal with thermals we have to deal with winds we have to deal with idiots we have to deal with i mean just so many <laughs> well, so much more and, things and there's one other factor that it, it actually popped into my mind the other night and i want to see if you what you think is as i was going in the deeper i got in i started thinking what is it going to take if i shoot something in here to get him out you know and i think that's a big deterrent why a lot of people don't go in the way we do it's kind of funny that you say that because me and Marduk were talking the other day and like, he was like a mile and a half in on the thickest of thick. 
and he's like, he's like, and, and not even dragging the deer out because that would be absolutely miserable. Oh, yeah. That's you're, one of the hardest things in place. I, I mean, for me, I just call a bunch of buddies and I say, I just shot a monster. Right. Even though it's a tiny skipper buck, I don't really care. Like they'll just show up and they'll help drag. Cause everybody wants to help drag for me, you know, here you, you don't have all that many people to come and help you. Yeah. Um, if I but, kill something, man, it, it's the gutless method for me. And, and as, it, as Smelty found out on that dough he had, congratulations. He got to test it out mm-hmm. the first time, as he put it, uh, the Jeremy Beck method. It, and it works. It's incredible. If you're out there on your own and you shoot something in there deep, look up the gutless method and learn how to do it because it works. It, it is the easiest way to recover a deer on your own. So just just saying that that's a go to for me. If things look real bad, I'm in deep, it's nasty, it's thick, and you know you're not dragging this deer out. Man, look into the gutless method. Quarter him out in place, get the meat out, get it all packed up. You can pack an entire deer out on your back, on your own, and then just make two trips, one for your gear, one for the deer. So my thing was this too, honestly, was that when you, when you're that deep, like what I, like I was saying before, me and Marduk were talking and being that deep, like, dude, his phone died. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. His phone didn't die. His phone was about to die and he's in the thick of the thick. And he's like, dude, if my phone dies, I don't even know how the hell I'm going to get out of here because he went in on the, on a whim. What, looked at a topographical map, said, this is a good terrain feature. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to hunt it. And then he got there, and it was all briars. It was thick mountain laurel. It was thick as hell, real tough. He had to go like a mile or or less in this thick with no trail. And all he had was his phone he was using for GPS. Right. And didn't have a compass. And he's See, like, Trev, if my phone dies, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. And, and that's, that's one thing that ever since last year, especially in Ohio, one piece of equipment I recommend anyone who's going in somewhere blind on somewhere they don't know. Make sure you have one or two battery backups that you can use to charge your phone in the mm-hmm. field. Because I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times, especially on all day sits. You know, it comes to that end of day and you're going, crap, I hope I have enough power left to follow my track out. Whether it be on, on X or hunt stand or whatever you used. If you track your path. You can use that to track your way back out. And if your phone's dead, it does you no good. So take a charging cable, take a battery backup. So at the end of the day, you know, when you know you got two hours left and if your battery's running low, plug it in, charge your phone. It's not hard. Get you a solar charger. Let your phone be plugged in the entire day. I mean, there are a million different cheap, easy options. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Because some of those spots, even where we went last year, you know, we went, you said, I would go here. Okay, well, I've never seen it. I'm just going to go into that point. And mm-hmm. you walk in, in the dark, and you leave in the dark. Sometimes that little plot map of where you walked is all you have. Because most people are not going to use a compass and track their way with azimuth shooting going in and out. Because they don't know how, mm-hmm. for the most part. And two, it's inconvenient when you could just have a phone. So you kind of, you brought up a, a, a situation where I think that we should definitely touch on, man. And, and that is the things that you have in your pack. 
like those key element things. Like we're in the heart of the season. We've just had a podcast about tree stand, tree stand safety. I got tongue twisted. And I think, honestly, why don't we go through the things that we have in our pack? Because I know the things that you have in your pack are different than the things that I have in my pack. There's probably some things that are kind of the same. But being out of state and hunting um, on land that we don't know, there's more things in my pack than I normally would carry. Um, right. So I don't know. You want to kick it off first and kind of, you know, go go through kind of what you carry in your pack? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm going to have my everyday stuff, the stuff you need to hunt, your bows, your arrows, your releases, a, uh, you know, your sticks, your stands, blah, blah, blah. That's the stuff you know you need to hunt. But I always carry a small first aid kit. And that just, that just goes back to the, the military mindset. I want something to be able to do real quick, build treatment on any wound or whatever happens because you never know. You know, someone could cut themselves gutting a deer on a broadhead lodged in a body. Someone could have a slip and fall and do something, whatever. I always keep a small first aid kit. Second is a way to charge my devices. One, I've got the camera. And if the camera goes dead, that defeats the whole point of us trying to be out there and film. So extra batteries, but I also keep enough power in there to be able to charge a battery and my cell phone in my case i carry three small sticks to recharge with but most people just take one one's good enough for your phone uh, another thing i take is a compass for that reason because when i get in if i know what i went in and i was heading southeast if i need to get out then i can go ahead and walk out northwest and be somewhere in the area uh, not many people know what a pace counter is or keep track of that but i also keep track of my pace i know x amount of steps is 100 yards so if i take you know 300 yards getting in and my phone dies i know that i can turn around and take 237 steps is the equivalent of 300 yards and that you know it's old-fashioned land nav a lot of stuff a lot of people don't know these days but I recommend you learn it. And hydration. You know, that's one thing that's most people don't want to carry extra water. That's weight, especially when you're hiking in deep and hard. But you got to have hydration. You know, snacks, everyone has snacks. For some reason, that's what everyone thinks about is snacks. So I recommend you have something in there that'll get you through the day because even though you're sitting, it wears on your body. It takes out a lot of energy a lot of potential for being able to drag a deer at the end of the day after sitting doing nothing you know if you have no energy in you you're going to have a real hard time you know so keep a snack in there uh, th those are really kind of the oddball items i keep in my bag on top of the stuff that normal people would keep you know yeah i have a saw i have multiple knives i keep a sharpener all of that it, it's there i can do everything in the field so, uh, what do you have? Um, so I, some of the oddball things that I carry, I, I used to always carry a shotgun shell. So I'd always have a shotgun shell with me. It was something my dad always taught me was to have a shotgun shell because say, heaven forbid that you get stuck in the woods, you can cut the shotgun shell open and then you can start a fire. So okay. I used to Makes always, sense. Oh, it was always something that pops always told me to carry with me. So I always carried one. So 
I always had one of those, but now um, recently in the Hunter's Box, we had one of the the, the fire starter. Yep. The C4 looking thing. Oh, yeah. So I have that's in the backpack now. I always carry uh, two lighters. Um, they're both in a Ziploc bag. Um, the other thing I carry with me, uh, as you guys will know, kind of throughout you know our YouTube uh, Ohio hunt last year, is I carry glow sticks with me. Yep. I've always carried glow sticks with me. Um, you know, first blood, you know, you can put it on there. Or, you know, if you leave your tree stand in there and you got to get back or you're marking your trail as you go in, whatever the case may be, um, always have glow sticks with me. Um, I carry actually um, a webbing strap. I always carry a webbing strap. It's a, a eight-foot webbing strap, small, little, tiny half-inch one, uh, maybe even a quarter-inch. It's tiny, you know, tourniquets type thing. Um, tie things up. Uh, always have that with me constantly just, you know, just in case. Um, I have a small first aid kit, real small, just band-aids, um, needle, whatever, just basic little tiny things, knife. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I carry an extra screw and peg yeah. just in case I got to hang something in a tree um, just to have it. It's always a good thing. I know. <laughs> and they come in handy hunt- more often than not, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we hunt public land, man, but it's one thing that I'm definitely an outlaw about because I just... I always use screwing pegs, man. I'll take the hit. I say it all the time, but it just makes things so much easier. Um, well, especially if you're like in a, a sketchy tree and you feel like your rope's just really not clinching, man, it's yeah. nice to just know you can screw that in and your tether's not going to slip. You know, sometimes that lot. little peace of mind goes a long ways. I've always used it for, you know, when I was in a climber. So I always oh, had it. 100%. It was always a safety on the back of, of the tree, man. It's something that I've always used. So I just carry it with me. Um, I carry extra batteries. Um, that's another thing because speaking you never of know. extra, you know what the the number one thing that extra is in my bag that I forgot to mention. <clears throat> What's that? An extra release. Yes, always I an extra keep release. An extra. I don't care if it's mm-hmm. piled and smashed down in the bottom of your bag, man. Yep. I will tell you right now. I've gone out to the woods one time and it lost my release in route. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse than getting in the stand and having your target buck in front of you and no release. I, I think we've both been through that. Yeah. So we, you kind of learn with that. I, listen, dude, I drove all the way to, was it Ohio? No, it was Illinois last year. Yeah. Without, without a, a release. Without a release. And <laughs> it yep. is what it is. But those are those things that you have to have, man. My thing is my mindset, especially being a Northwoods guy and you being a military guy, like safety is always on my mind. Like anything that can happen will happen in my eyes. Hey. Like it's not about when. I mean, it's not about if. It's about when. And like those bad. things are gonna happen, man. And and when they do, you want to be around somebody who has those types of things. Like it's we're always in the woods alone. Like I might be. Yeah, we're hunting together, but we miles. may be two miles apart. Right. So, like, you never know, man. Like, that survival thing, like, I survival is always on my mind. Like, it's always on my mind. Like, if anything is to happen, you know, as you guys have heard in the last podcast, falling out of a tree stand, like, that's one thing. But, like, dude, what if I slipped, fell, hit myself with a broadhead? What if, I mean, look at look at Tim Wells. He got yeah. himself with a spear in his leg. I mean, like, dude, I always, always thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Like, if I trip and fall and cut myself or... You know, heaven forbid that, you know, I mean, there's a million and one things that could happen, right? And, like, you have to be prepared for them, at least on a minimal scale. 
Yeah. Um, if you don't know the basics of a tourniquet, how to stop the bleed, you know, how to treat basic wounds, things like that, you know. And yeah, we're talking, you may be three, 400 yards into a, a block of timber. But, you know, say that one time you find yourself you know, a mile into the Wayne National Forest mm-hmm. and something happens and you're not familiar with first aid, you know, and you, a Band-Aid won't stop the bleeding, you could find yourself in a bad situation and say you get stuck out there for a day or two. That little cut, that infection can kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, so just knowing basic things, you know, how to get yourself out, how to protect yourself. Ultimately, that's, I, I agree. And, and most of the extra items we had, if you think about it, it it's literally about safety and survival. Not it's, kill, it's a gallon not zip. It's, it's, I could fit all the things that I carry extra in a Ziploc bag. Exactly. Seriously. And, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt nothing. You can complain about the ounces and weights and all of that extra crap all you want. But trust me, the day you need it, you'll be glad you have it. And I'm telling you that from experience. You know, it just, you never can estimate what's going to happen. And, you know, going on with this survival thing, man, like it's so important as the season starts to progress. I know we all get excited. We want to go chase big bucks and this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, going along with that, and I know we've had the negative podcast of the tree sand thing, and now now we're kind of going into what we have in our pack and so on and so forth. But I cannot say it enough. Like, send a pin to a friend. Yep. Send a pin to your old lady. Send a pin to your mom. Send one to your grandma. Whatever the case may be. Like, let somebody know where you are, man. Like, I know you don't want your friends knowing where you're hunting, but you sure as hell are going to want them to know where you are when you've or felling out of a tree stand or cut your leg or whatever the case may be. Like, it's so important. I, I you well, know, I'll send pins to Steven. Yeah. Steven's in Virginia. We started doing that last year in Ohio, <laughs> you know, cause we knew we were in, we were close, but we weren't close. Right. But we would go in early and we knew it was dark and be like, okay, you know, it's four forty-five. I'm moving in. And when I get settled into the tree, I'll take the pin and I'll shoot it to Trev. Hey man, climbed in, I'm hooked up, ready to hunt. And when he's done, cool, yeah, me too, here's where I'm at, cool. One, because if he shoots another freaking, I shot a monster, (laughs) I know where to go. And two, if something happens, I know where to go. So I just, I can look at the pin and move. Well, that's the other thing. In setup, a lot of people don't think about that. If I don't text you and tell you I'm set up, then you don't know that I'm set up. A failure could have happened and I could have gotten hurt. Exactly. You might not text me until noon. Well, 90% of the problems happen at the climb or the descent. Right. So when you tell me I'm in the tree, I'm ready to hunt. Okay, you're up, you're safe, you're tied in, you're good. Hey, I'm done, I'm out of the tree. Cool. He's down, he's out, he's safe, he's ready to go, I'll meet him at the truck. You know, whatever. It's... It's it's so crucial, man. It's just just think of these things because these are things that like, you know, you may already think about. You may not, man. But, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's thinking about these things because it's an important thing, man. Like, you know, you never know what could happen. Yeah. You never know when it could happen. I you mean, know, the season getting underway. It, it's bad enough that we're walking away from home. We're leaving our wives at the house for, you know, 10 days to two weeks, depending. But let's not turn those 10 days to two weeks into forever Mm -hmm. or a hospital call. Right. You know, so 
those are just simple things that go through our heads that we have constantly made sure we stay ahead of. And, and a lot of it honestly is subconscious. Like we just do it out of instinct and out of habit from years of, let's be honest, screwing up, wishing we had things. So if we can do anything, learn from us and our mistakes, and it may weigh a little more, may be a little extra, may be uncomfortable, whatever. But trust me, the one time you need it, you'll be glad you have it. Absolutely. But I am excited for the 2021 season, man. There is nothing more exciting about chasing big bucks. Dude, I got big bucks on cameras. I got the the intel from down down south. You went and you went and checked out down oh, yeah. there. You found some new spots, man. Like I'm excited, dude. Like and all in all, I mean, I know we got a little bit sidetracked yeah, with some, kind of got a little you know, too heavy stuff, right? But like, <laughs> we turned white into like, a survival situation. <laughs> hey, you know what? We don't talk about it, man. And it's something that we can and we need to talk about, dude, because we never know. I'm, we talk about like we're going in the bush, but we've if, both been in situations. If you guys where can't tell we're passionate because we've been in those situations. I've I've spent time out in the woods because I couldn't get back or slept in my truck because I got stuck or I mean these things have happened like this is reality things and a lot of you guys are are newer hunters or just getting into the sport or or maybe been in it but never been in situations might just hunt mom and pop's farm and never been there man like I've where I camp for shed hunting is 75 miles from the nearest paved road yeah 75 miles in the north woods like that's no joke you've Arizona is no joke. Yeah. Being out West is no joke. Like these things happen, man. Like just to think about them, but going along, man, (laughs) some of the, some of the things that we are kind of excited about, dude, we have some really good bucks on camera. We haven't shared any of the pictures just for the simple fact of that. You know, we, we don't need to, we, you know, we're going to, we're going to show you what, what really comes of it. But the, and it's kind of one of the things that we've kind of made a pact about. We are just not going to show this stuff, but, um, because heaven forbid that we don't shoot one, then we just kind of look like fools. So <laughs> Trophy spikes. But, yeah. Um, but like you went down there and you spent a weekend down there checking out spots. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. I love what they, what that state does, what they put into it, their efforts. And, you know, it just makes it possible for idiots like us to go out there and capitalize. And yes, we're going to go out there with our, out-of-state bow hunter t-shirts and just represent because that's what they've built a place worth going to and and you know like coming from the states that we're both in like they have public land but it's tough public land to hunt not a lot of deer it's basically the land that nobody else wants to use for anything let's not exactly both our states are like that i mean we have some federal land now that's pretty good here we have you know we definitely have some better stuff than you have honestly but (laughs) but like other states like Ohio, man, like I hate I hate referencing back to it and talking about it constantly because not for nothing, but like we have a couple of listeners and no offense to you guys by any means. Honestly, I think it's absolutely amazing. You guys are going outside your realm. You're going out there and you're going to go and hunt. But like and and, and that you've taken it up, up upon yourself to go and hunt somewhere that you probably would have never hunted before. But like some of these states like Ohio they put a ton of time and effort into their wildlife. Like they plant soybeans, they plant corn, they, they take care of their land management. Um, it's, it's, it's crucial, man. It's so cool to see the amount of our conservation dollars going back into the, the land as a resource. 
like our states don't do that, man. Like, so it's cool to go out there and they do it. And, you know, I know a lot of states like, like uh, Wisconsin, for example, they do a ton for waterfowl and Ohio does it for deer. Connecticut does it for nothing. So <laughs> not true. Connecticut awesome, does honestly. it for fish <laughs> in the mm-hmm. worst way possible. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I, the fishery part of it. Yeah. Maybe like trout fishing, but not really like they're trying to take all that stuff away from us, dude. Like the, they were trying to get rid of pheasant hunting here in Connecticut for a while. Like ridiculousness, like, like, Oh, so we'll just combine it and then we'll take it away. And it's just stupid, bro. Like my, my whole entire life, I grew up wing shooting. Wing shooting was my thing growing up. Like we had pheasant dogs. We pheasant hunted a ton, squirrel hunted, rabbit hunted. Speaking of, I'm going to put a big time out on this. I want to talk about this. <laughs> um, the squirrel competition, dude. I, I am so jacked up about it. I don't think that you guys all realize this. Like, I am 100% all about this, this squirrel competition. We have so many people that have reached out that want to be part of the squirrel competition. So I guess me and Steven, let's just talk about this real quick, dude. Let's do one month. Um, Let's pick a month. December. Yeah, let's go December. All right, December's the month. So we'll do December, all of the month of December, just for the listeners. This is going to be for the listeners. I got something else for the podcast because I've called out a ton of podcasts and they all want in. So um, December is going to be the month. So we'll start December 1st and we will go. I just want to write this down as we go so that we have it all. All right, so December 1st. You guys are in the ground floor of the planning. December 1st to December 31st. So we're so January one will will announce the winners. So everybody has to be in by midnight, uh, December thirty first. Um, and what we're gonna do is, um, most squirrels, biggest squirrel, and how we're gonna do it is we're gonna do from the tip of the 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 tip of the head to the tip of the tail measured on a tape with a picture for your biggest squirrel. Okay. So it's going to be the longest. Um, and then, um, so we're gonna do most squirrel, biggest squirrel. And. Nah, let's just do most and biggest, most and biggest. Okay. Most and biggest squirrel. So we'll give out, we'll give out, we got some prizes. We're going to get together. We got together with noise game calls. You're going to get a custom squirrel call for that one, um, for biggest squirrel and most squirrel. And then we'll put together some other prize packages, um, throughout some of the other sponsorships and so on and so forth to kind of get something, get something up and going. I'll put together something. I'll go get 22 shells, boxes, ammo, whatever I got to do. Um, so we'll get cool prize packages for that. Um, so we'll come up with some type of entry where you got to enter your team. If you want to do a team, if you want to do individual, what do you think? Team, individual? Uh, look, I think we should do individual. All right, individual. That way so, if you go out with your buddies, now you got to compete with your buddies. Okay, so individual. You have an entire month to get this done. So we'll do the entire month of December. Most squirrels, biggest squirrels. We'll have a sign-up sheet, so you have to be signed up by December 1st. So we'll do an email. So you have to email us to the outdoor drive podcast at gmail.com. Sign yourself up your name and phone number and state that you're hunting. 
So I will do name, phone number, and state. Um, and just tell us that you're in. It'll be a free competition. And um, that will be about it, right? We'll just do it for fun. Bragging rights, couple prizes, whatever for yeah, the just, listeners. Just for some fun. You know, something okay. we can throw back in, kind of bring back that old-fashioned squirrel hunting memory. It'll be after deer season, so it won't be that big of a deal, right? I mean, no big deal. Um, Podcast-wise, for you podcasters that are listening to this and want to get in on this, we're going to do a weekend in, in February. We've come up with that. So January, February weekend, and January, February on a Saturday. We're going to pick a Saturday. And what we're going to do is we're going to – We'll go live in the morning, and then we'll do live check-ins throughout the day with all the podcasts so everybody can kind of follow along on the on the lives. And then what we will do is we'll do some uh, – we'll do the same thing, biggest and most squirrels, um, and we'll do a bunch of giveaways there. Um, maybe we'll do a Calcutta of some sort, like if you want to bet on the teams or whatever, and then I don't know. We'll come up with a little bit more rules with that, um, but there's probably – in all actuality, there's probably eight to ten podcasts that want to get in on this already. So um, we'll do some giveaways there. Maybe we'll do we'll go live and we'll give away some giveaways to some listeners or whatever we can do. So we'll do something a little bit crazy. But we are all about this annual squirrel competition. Um, so just so you guys know. So just think about it. I'll post up some rules and you guys can start getting signed up. And we'll get a sign up spreadsheet and um, we'll get this thing underway. What do you say, Steven? Sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. And then, so, but the question is this, Stephen, um, what state are we going to squirrel hunt in together? <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. You might want to do it here. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know, dude. I probably could have shot 30 squirrels last night. You got good squirrel hunting down there? Dude, friggin' everywhere. Hmm. Now, right. and, and we go over to that, to, to Turkey Hill. <laughs> and you saw what kind of squirrels we had over there. All right, so I'm in on we, that. We could see, get some exotics. Is, <laughs> see, the thing is, some of these boys, dude, and I didn't realize this, and being naive to the situation, right? And, and I've obviously heard about it, but I didn't even think about it. Them Southern boys talk about it between oh, yeah. the times. They live on it. Yeah. It's still and they part ha- of the heritage down there. And they have dogs. Yeah, literally just for that. Just for that. Yeah. Like scary stuff. Like mm-hmm. them boys were serious. When I started talking about it, they were like, "Oh, we in, boy, we mm-hmm. in, we oh, yeah. in." And I was like, "Cause, cause between the times, Dustin, he's from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how big it is down there." And I oh. was like, "You got to be kidding me." Them boys, the boys down that, there, they get it done. Yeah, you saying and white distraction. They those guys in Pennsylvania, they were like, "Oh, we're in. We got this going on. Want to be?" Um, we had Hooser. Who's their back country? They were like, we are in. We want in on that. What? Where the? Where is Hooser? That's some. No, isn't that? We talked. They're about Midwest. That. I think. Yeah, uh, Midwestern. I, I want to say Nebraska. I think so. Correct us if Hoosier? we're wrong. But they Hoosier. Yeah, yeah. they're Hoosiers. I mean, I, no yeah. reference to the horrible football team. Just kidding. <laughs> All the but Hoosier they have, fans. Sorry. They have those. The thing is, so they have those stupid, uh, those fox, them fox, the fox squirrels. squirrels. <laughs> Dude, them things are like triceratops coming through the woods, bro. That doesn't even count. So that's, they're probably, they might take the largest by having those. We I don't, don't know, have dude. those. We got those big old black squirrels down here. Oh, you got, 
All right, all right. The yeah. gray. All right, we got big grays up here. That's about it. Oh, man. we got we got grays, and we everywhere. have reds. We have we have reds. Some reds. If you go south, there's more reds, but primarily grays and blacks. Mean squirrels. Yeah. So, but no, I figured we touch on the squirrel competition. I figured that it was something because we've talked about it, dude. And we need to do it, and I feel as if I. You know, we might be on to something where I think that we should have a competition every season. Well, hey, I'll I'll tell you right now, just like anything else, year one will be rough. Bear with us. We'll get some notes put out there. We'll get it mm-hmm. going. We'll learn from it. Year two will be better. Year three, yep. we're gonna have something fun. We'll get we'll have a get together. Yeah. Screw it. Meet up. You know, on, a squirrel hunting competition. Everybody goes here on this date for this, and let's just break out and have, you know, forty, fifty people go out in the woods and have a competition. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it, dude. I think, you know, coming forth, I, I think that we should have a turkey competition, some type of fish competition. I, I'm down with it. I think, we'll get there. you know, we but we are those guys. So I, I think we could use a squirrel competition as a catalyst to really make mm-hmm. a foundation for everything else. I think it's kind of cool to like kind of start there. Like, because for me, like I want to get back into it, dude. Like that was my heritage. I remember my pops bringing me out and sitting there. Uh, we would sit on a hillside at first light and we would wait for the squirrels to come out and then we'd go and we'd lunch and whatever else. And then we'd go back there in the afternoon, you know, and wait for them squirrels to come out. I hated it, dude. When I got my first squirrel call, I thought it was kind of cool because I could call at them. Right. But like, I hated it. It was boring as shit. <laughs> yeah, Waiting, but you know, I, it's just the, the key with squirrels. And one, the one thing I was taught while squirrel hunting, it's the best way to learn how to still hunt deer. Mm hmm. You sit and you be patient and don't move and let them reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you blast them. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. all about it, dude. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I'm a horrible squirrel hunter. This is not because I'm good at it. This is because I just want to go and have fun. Definitely. It's something to do, man. I mean, right before, you know, shed season. So we'll get after it. I think it'll be a cool thing. So I'm looking forward to the 2021 series. Um season series yeah well let's yeah. hope it's a series uh, season yeah um one of the things guys it's really important is tag us in your kills man like it's so important to us for us to be able to congratulate you like we want to be able to congratulate you um it's one of the things that we've sh- we strive on is congratulating everybody who's out there doing it getting after it i want to personally congratulate you send you a message tag you share it uh, I want everybody to know that, you know, whether it's your it's a it's a trophy spike or a small meat dough or whatever it is, I want to be able to congratulate. So please just tag us in your stuff, man. I want to see what you guys got going on throughout the season. It's what kind of keeps me going throughout the season is is watching everybody else put things down. So just do that for us, man. Um, and while you're at it, if you guys could go on to our YouTube page and subscribe, we finally hit 500 subscribers. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed. Um, it means the absolute world to us. Um, I want to do a giveaway um, on reviews. So if you go on to the um, Apple or the iTunes, hit the five-star review. Give us a review. I don't care what you write in the review. As long as it's a five-star, I would like it to be something nice. But if you want to write something mean, that's fine. As long as it's a five-star review. Um, and what we will end up doing is I'll come up with some type of giveaway, but you got to make sure that you've done a review. So get on over there. Put in the review. We will then, whoever has done a review in the past, um, we will put all the names in a hat and we'll pull it out and we'll give you something cool. So you could be the chance to win something from there. Maybe a hat, 
maybe a t-shirt, maybe a sweatshirt, whatever it is, but get on over there, do a five-star review for us. Cause it means the absolute world to us. That's what gets the word out to the next person. Um, that's what keeps us going. That's what gets more people involved with what we got going on. So five-star review is very important to us. We can't thank you enough for doing such a thing. Definitely. Well, you know, one thing we got to do before we cut this thing off. What's that buddy? We got to thank our partners. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that real quick. Um, first off, let's start off with Gator Outdoors. Gator Outdoors, outfitting the working class, be the reason. Um, they got some new news coming out, if it hasn't already, uh, on our podcast platform. Um, some really cool things. Looking forward to working with them throughout the season. They got a ton of stuff. GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE25. Save yourself 25% on anything Gator Outdoors. Um, they are running the true timber camouflage. They got duck on stuff. They got it for everybody, dude. So get on over there and check them out. Also, Noyster Game Calls, NoisterGameCalls.com. Get them in close. Um, it's grunt tube season. If you don't have a custom grunt tube, you're not hunting, right? So get on over there and get yourself one of those. Latitude Outdoors, LatitudeOutdoors.com, the Method 2, the Classic 2. Um, they are the most comfortable metal list saddles on the market. So get on over there and get yourself one of those if you guys are thinking about getting into mobile game. Um, NovixOutdoors.com. There are the Novix tree stands. Um, they are probably the best mobile tree stand. I don't know. I haven't been in we're one yet. Find but out. We're going to find out. Um, they got some really good stuff over there. Get on over there. Check that stuff out. Um, we will have a promo code coming very shortly. Um, working on that right now so you guys can actually save yourself some. Uh, go and check out their stuff, and then we'll give you a promo code for that. Also, um, am I missing? Oh, Zeus, New Era Archery, the official broadhead of the Outdoor Drive podcast. If you guys haven't seen this yet, I don't know if we've posted a picture yet or if we're going to. It's a little bit pre-recorded. So um, the new um, Zeus is on the way. Yes, I said the new Zeus. Um, it's a silver Zeus with an eight-channel head on it. I will post pictures as soon as I get them. I promise you um, they make them in a 125 and um, a hundred. So a uh, little new look to them um, and congratulations to them boys over there. The Zeus now is patent with two patents. Um, so congratulations to them. So new air uh, You can get the steady form, the Zeus, the Aries and the B 16. Awesome. Well, I think that does a pretty good job of wrapping us up pre Ohio. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the next one that's coming out is a uh, a recap. So you guys stay tuned. We appreciate you listening. And uh, as always, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.